Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Common Sense Podcast, episode number twenty-nine. Almost thirty episodes in. And we are back up in this thing again. Hello, March. It's March. Oh, my goodness. I didn't think we would ever make it, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about, I was just like, Black History Month was so trash. We had to, like, take a break, you know, saying and say, like, you know, we can't even finish out the month, this trash-ass month. It was 2019 is off to such a crazy ass start. That's all I can Our really friends say. lacking melanin were were on 100 this month or February. Mm, like they came out the mm. gate and were like, "Y'all not gonna get to enjoy Black History Month this year." Let us show no. you what you got. It, it was a and mess. The whole teps were the whole teps were on 10 um, this past month and. I just felt like I couldn't breathe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like they had their foot on my neck the entire break, uh, uh, the entire month. And on top of like not even teaching anything Black history, you know, at school, just I just felt so disconnected from the entire celebration, the entire month. I think on top we, of we just need a redo the American news. Oh yeah, so you know we actually got the redo. Is we it for voted. June, right? Is it June? I don't. I don't yeah. remember. They, somebody I saw on Twitter there was like an iCal invite. <laughs> yeah, um, it's uh, Juneteenth <laughs> till Beyonce's birthday in September. So we're just oh, gonna go ahead and take the entire. We're gonna take the entire month or the entire summer to celebrate our back our blackness and we're gonna re- redo this whole thing we're gonna pretend we didn't that this didn't happen this at all so it, it didn't happen we're moving on one of my kids like at the beginning of the month like obviously i teach kindergarten and their frame of reference for what black history month it's like it's just beginning to to be established for many of them. And so i asked mm. i was like do any of you know what black history month is and one of my the little like she she thinks so critically about everything and she stands up confidently because I like I have them stand up so everyone can hear and look at them and she stands up and she's like well, it's just when you wear black every day and I was like oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> not quite and I was just like, not quite and she looks at me she like turns her head to the side she's like well that's what my mommy told me and I'm just like, okay, well, thank you for sharing. Um, no. You know what? <laughs> They're so, like, <sighs> in kindergarten, obviously I didn't tell her, um, no. But in kindergarten, everything is so, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, like, everything is so straightforward. Like, you tell me Black History Month, mm. it's we wear black. And so it's been interesting, right. February. Like when we've been talking about a few people and things that have happened or are happening, um, when I say, oh, Miss Adams is black in kindergarten, like a five-year-old, their understanding of, of blackness 
it doesn't necessarily um like to them i'm brown the concept of being black mm. is it, it doesn't quite exist yet for many of them because they're they're so literal and so i had i literally had one of my kids ask why do you keep saying you're black your skin is brown and so like mm. that started a small conversation like as best as i could to explain it to her um but i i didn't have that conversation last year cuz like none of them ever asked that and I, I think I had a lot more black children in my classroom and maybe that's why last year I didn't have to explain it um but that was something I didn't even think that I would have to go over with them in conversation which was just really interesting and I, I enjoyed it but yeah I wasn't expecting to have to do that but that we wear black every day that took me out and I will never forget her saying that <laughs> but maybe I should have wow. like because of the way the month played out Wear black every day? Like, because it was just an awful month. Just in mourning yeah. all month. Something happened every single day. Rest in peace <laughs> to Black History Month. 2019. 2019. I just want to take a moment of silence. Thank you so much. And <laughs> we're going to pretend that didn't happen. We're going to move on. Did you know in Texas we have a moment of silence every day? <laughs> <laughs> we say we say and some people are gonna like fall out but we say the pledge to the u.s flag every morning and a pledge to the texas flag every morning um and then there's a moment of silence and there is a law protecting that which is wild um i didn't know people didn't say a pledge to their flag until like college when i was <laughs> Like, we just all know it. Like, it's ingrained in us. Like, we're indoctrinated into, like, being Texans. And finding out that other people do not stand up every morning and pledge allegiance to their state flag was wild. Even though, like, I no longer say the pledge, that was just wild for me. We sing the national anthem every morning as a school. Oh, like where you are now? Um, Yeah. And we, and by we, I mean they, because it surely is not me. Uh, they like, you know, pledge allegiance to their flag. And, uh, sometimes we, they recite the, uh, the Quran, um, sometimes in the morning. So there are different things that are done. Obviously it's a completely different context, Yeah, but I'd just be sitting there looking awkward because <laughs> sometimes my kids want me to like you know, put my hand over my heart and like, you know, look at the Qatar national flag and like, you know, participate in that process. But I'm like, no, I'm okay. Thank you so much. Uh, but I'm not going to pledge allegiance to the Qatar national no, right. flag. And it's wild that we expect or that, that it is expected that children will do that for the American flag or to the Texas flag or whatever. Um, especially like our pledge says like one nation under God. Um, so. But the thing about it is being, you know, living in Qatar and living abroad period, and we're getting so off topic, is so much about <laughs> um, like having one's pride in, in your country, right? Like, the majority of people who live here are expats or people who are from, you know, places other than Qatar. And so I find myself identifying more as American than I Ever would have. as black. Um, like, 
they're like, oh, like, where are you from? Or like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm American. You know, I'm just like, oh, right. You know, like, like that's something that I would never say um, in my actual country. Um, so anyway, any good news this week or these past two weeks? <laughs> You're healed. I am finally healed. Amen. Finally. We were like... Oh I was so worried for you, friend. I was so worried. I just cannot get well. You know, the first week I was like, okay. The first week I was like, okay, she's fine. You know, like she's going through it. She's, you know, she's going to kind of get get through it. And she, But once that second week came and it was like, you know. I, so like I had to, I took, what is it? I left Tuesday. So I, I guess I took like three days off of work and I went back to school that Monday and I, I was feeling a lot better. Right. And then I walk in and it's just like, I could feel the germs attaching themselves to me. And I, I developed like another, uh, like I was sneezing a lot more and sniffling and coughing a lot more. And then the weather change wasn't helping because it was like 70, 30, 70, 30. And then this week it was like 50 and rainy all week, but it was consistent. Mm. So I was able to like, deal with it and i think the fact that i'm wiping things down like almost three times a day now has helped i guess <laughs> like my kids come in we work we clean the tables before we go to lunch we clean the tables after we eat snack we clean the tables as we're packing up and i it sounds so bad that i'm like not really touching things that they use because i want to get to 100 percent, and i i cannot do that if i'm touching things that they yeah Period. so Period. It's unfortunate. I'm still doing elbow bumps. Um, not really doing high fives and hugs right now still. Because um, I think I'm like, like I feel like 90%, but one little sick kid could take me down right now. So, and I don't mm. have the days to, to do that. So, yeah, I think I have like two days saved from last year. And I'm not trying to use those two days. Because if you go over, like it's ridiculous. If you go over your days, I think they just start docking your pay, right? Which, whatever. Um, but I'm not trying to get my pay docked. You cannot even be sick in America. No, and you know what's wild? And get paid. Is, <laughs> what's wild is the fact that we expect doctor's notes if you're out more than three days. Oh, not that child. Like. Because you must cause be thinking sick on sick. vacation. In the middle of the Poconos. It's ridiculous. I don't know why I, I chose either. that place. Yes. <laughs> because, like, had it just been the common cold and I just, like, couldn't, I couldn't function, I would not have gone to the doctor for that. But then the absences mm. wouldn't have been approved. And it's just like, this, this is ridiculous. And then you think of children who may not have, like, health insurance, right? And they're absent. Mm. But in order to have an ex- mm. a, a, an absence excused for that many days, it has to be an official doctor's note. But we don't offer health insurance to everyone. So. Good news. Good news. Spring break is next week. Amen. Yeah. And then there's only nine more weeks of school. And I will start my countdown with the two little girls dancing. I found the video again. Um... I got a summer job that I might quit before it starts. Okay, that's good. It's good good. news because it's like extra money potentially to pay stuff off. But I'm not sure I want to work. Okay. 
and yes i don't know i think that's it i'm pretty sure that's it i'm excited for spring and warm weather again yeah y'all have been i have been watching y'all from afar Y'all have really been going through a polar vortex 3.0, looks like, especially down in uh, the East Coast, Michigan, Detroit. Like, y'all are getting snow, snow. Like, are they going to be in school until July at this point? I feel so bad for them. <laughs> like, I want a day off. Like, I, I, I was like, can we get, like, some sleet, something, like, below 30, something so I can stay home? Because I think we have, like, four or five days built into our calendar before we have to make up those days. But some people I saw were out for like nearly two weeks. And it's just like, I hope you don't have to make those days up. Cause that's going to be awful. I'm just waiting on it to rain. Okay? <laughs> I just want it to rain. I want it to rain so that we can have a day off. Um, because folks don't prepare for rain here. I'm also praying for a really nice, uh, that's dust what I was going to ask. A dust storm. storm. Yep. I've already experienced one or two of those. Um, the, you know, it was nothing. I survived. Do people stay uh, in those but days? Most times. Uh, but there are a lot of people who you'll see walking with, like, things over their faces, obviously, to protect themselves from the dust. But it's kind of scary because it's very low visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and the driving is just like, oh. So do they, do they cancel so it's just like. Days? It would take a really bad storm to cancel it, um, but those kind of things happen in the uh, afternoon, and our okay. school day is over. like bright and early till the early afternoon. We get out at one o'clock, so. Oh, some of us <laughs> don't get to our cars. I have to leave at two. So. You have to. I have to leave at two. Yeah, Do people stay late. No. It's amazing. No. Staying late is not a part of the culture. Staying late is not a part of the culture. Um, I attempted to stay late one time, and I felt so out of place. <laughs> but, like, there's so many uh, planning but periods no that if you use your time – Yeah, if you use your, your, your time wisely, then, like, you should be cool, but – it depends. It, it okay, depends. So I said my good news, but do you have any? <laughs> oh, okay. Wow, we're rusty. Um, let's see. I'm living my best life. Um, I'm working out. I'm doing the gorilla workout programs. Fantastic. Um, school has gotten better, gen- generally speaking. Uh, I think that, you know. Kids are kind of falling into a routine. I'm falling into a routine. Um, But I think ultimately school is not consuming my life as it did when we first started this podcast. Uh, You know, like it was my entire life. Like everything I did, I lived and breathed teaching in school. That was it. Being a teacher, yeah, well, being a teacher was very much a, like very much my identity. Um, and now coming over here, it's not really the same. And it's 
primarily because I don't teach black kids. Can I just break that down though really quickly? Because I don't want it to be, I don't want it to come across as like, I don't care about these kids because I actually do, you know, I've grown to like them as people. But if you go to my website and if I share this, which I have several times, my teaching philosophy is very much rooted in education as a freedom fighting tool for the most marginalized kids. That's and that's not kids. the population I teach. <laughs> um, and it's not the school either, right? The school's mission and vision doesn't even support my education uh, philosophy, yeah. right? So um, I've been trying to sort of find a balance because I don't want to lose myself in this new context. You know, and then when I come back to the U.S. and I teach there or I do whatever there, like I now feel completely disconnected from the profession and from my original purpose and why I even got into education in the first place. I don't think that would happen. I think the workaholic culture of the U.S. would would pull you right back in. (laughs) Oh, honey, I don't know. That'll be really, really, really tough. But. The worker, the worker, the workaholic culture, yes, but I think more so is for me, it's like, you know, education yeah. is life or death for these kids and for you know and for the culture for our people, right? Um, and I want to do everything I can. I want to tweet all day. I want to go to all these conferences. I want to read all these books. I want to. Uh, stay up all night thinking like what can I do to like creatively engage and push the boundaries and you know do all this stuff for my students liberation and freedom I'm not doing it and I sometimes I'm like really miserable (laughs) sometimes I'm like okay this is just a job you know um but that's not who I am like teaching has never been just a job so I just go back and forth of like, you know, how do I kind of do this to the best of my ability? I mean, the the context that I'm in, it's it's just pushing me to <laughs> think about education in a different lens, if you will. That's I mean, that's really what I can say. Uh, it's it's really complex. I think we're like maybe the only, and this might be an over exaggeration. I think we're like one of the only places where teachers put so much time and effort in, though. Because I don't you know. Mm. Well, I only have this in the Middle East to compare it to. I, I mean, because when you from, look at how, like, so from what you read online and and what people people's experiences and then like I'm in like Facebook groups with teachers from all over the world and it just seems like no one else works as hard and as long as teachers in the U.S. do and that's not to say that teachers across the world like don't care about their students right it's just that there are better systems I wouldn't say I'm in a better system though no and when I say better system I mean like like your, generally, generally, like the amount of planning time you have would never happen in the U.S. 
That is true. That's that what I mean. True. Like you're given more time to do your job. And it's just like if you can if you have the time to to prepare and to plan to do your job well, there's no reason to be stressed about it and, and thinking about it nonstop outside of school. Even if you are truly committed to the children that you work with, right? I mean, so imagine that you had the amount of planning time that you have now, but in the U.S. with with black children. Like, what could you do with that amount of time, right? And how how much do you think you'd really be taking home and trying to rehash at home if you had the same amount of time? But I think I would still think about teaching and improving that and, like, and, uh, 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 like, constantly figuring out what I can do better for these kids because they're mine. You know, they're my kids. I think, you know yes, but like, I also think it'd be a lot easier to turn it off. Because so much of what that is is you trying to plan for things that you're going to do. But I don't think I minded it because the purpose was there. Yeah. And I don't think that the purpose is there now. I think that um, I'm literally doing a job. And that, to me, is hard. And the reason why I'm doing a job is because, wow, I don't know how the hell we got here the reason why i'm doing a job is because bringing that american mindset that teaching is a liberation and freedom fighting tool bringing that over from the u.s was making my head split in two like it was like it was extremely hard for me to copy that over here because i'm dealing with the um it's different. Like the kids, they, um, are they fighting against systems that are intentionally holding them back? So that's what no. that's what the difference is, right? Right. I have trouble naming that because I'm still learning. Right. Yeah. I've only been here for three months, so I don't. I'm still learning about what systems, you know, that they are, and that's not to say that my students don't face struggle or, or that they don't face hardships because. We all do, right? But in terms of like historical, generational, you know, pain and trauma that has like affected your children's children's children before they were even thought of, nah, nah. Nah, bruh. That ain't it. You know what I'm saying? And that, that lights a fire underneath my ass to like want to go above and beyond to do all this extra stuff. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But now that I don't have that, I'm like, I'm one trying to figure out a way to connect with them uh-huh. because it's hard for me to connect with uh, people who don't uh, really, or who have not seen like, like struggle, you know what I'm saying? Or like who don't have that kind of experience. Um yeah, it's hard. And then, like, of course, I can just talk about, you know, things that's going on. But, you know, they don't want me to get too political because that's, like, against the law. And it, it, I don't really feel comfortable talking about Middle Eastern, like, um, current events or, like, 
politics and topics because I'm still learning like that. And I want to be confident in, in the things that I'm talking about. And I'm definitely not going to talk about any like black American issues because I just spent the last two months being called the N word by like 60, 70 different yeah. children. <laughs> Good news. Yikes. Um, sorry. <laughs> I just felt the need. Let me just get this off my chest also too. I'm sorry. For me, Privilege means responsibility. And so if we are teaching children who are being raised in in privilege, how are we preparing them to be responsible global citizens? That's kind of what I'm thinking. So I think term two, and this is also like being coming in as a mid-year teacher, being mid-year is like fucking hard as shit. I wouldn't wish that on anybody's life ever. Because practically the first like three, four months are it's, it's like the first six weeks of school, you know, times two. Um so Maybe next term I'll take a little bit more risk, but I've played it extremely safe this past uh this this uh this past like six or seven weeks. And I'm slightly disappointed in myself. But in the same breath, Antonia, I've been able to like make time for other things that I would not have been able to do in the US, like working out. You know how long I've been trying to work out? I just worked out for Yay! six days in a row. Well, well, six sessions in a row, right? Um, going out to brunch, you know. Yes, well, I did that, and I did do yes. that in the U.S., but not to the not with the grand elegance and like you know the way that the Qataris do it, or not the Qataris, but people who live in Qatar do it. Um, preparing like for spring break trips that are international, right? Like. These are all things that I would not have been able to. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm excited. Kalas. <laughs> um, finished. Done. Um, so, you know. You know. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I did I not. Had, I did so not like, mean to do that. You know, you can file your taxes as soon as you have your, what is it, W-2? Um, I intentionally did not, like, I've not filed my taxes because I knew if I got that money back, I was going to buy a ticket to Ethiopia and be out on a coffee farm. Period. Because Period. in my head, I wasn't expecting this money. No way. Let me book this ticket right now. And so I've like really tried not to, like this week I almost filed my taxes and I was like, no, you need to wait, wait until after that way you can go on a summer trip. Like you did last year, even though you said you weren't going to do nothing this summer, like wait. Stop. I'm excited you're going somewhere, though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> can shop the world with all that inside jokes. Money. So, uh, inshallah. Um. <laughs> okay. Wow. So nice catching up with you guys. We missed you so much. <laughs> we miss y'all, honestly. Um. And uh, glad to be back. But the real thing that we're here to talk about, Antonia. It's not really real and important, but it's just something hilarious I came across. Um, so if you are active on Instagram, if you go look this up, it'll probably be 
hilarious in a not so nice way to you. I didn't know people still used Reddit. Um, I, I, I didn't. I hadn't opened Reddit since like my first year of undergrad. But there's this thing called Teachergram. Like, like I don't know if it's considered a hashtag or if it's just like a, a topic. But if you ter- if you type in Teachergram on Reddit, it pulls up like these threads of people like being really snarky about famous Instagram teachers. Um, and like it's kind of mean, but it's also kind of interesting in the fact that there are real teachers talking about how the things being shared on Instagram are not real. And it's like a real, not necessarily an eye opener, because if you're aware of how fake Instagram is and how fake some of the accounts portray like their classrooms to be, then it's really, it's, it's interesting. So like I was reading and there's one teacher who was talking about how there was, um, there's like some other teacher, I'm not going to say names because you can like go and read it yourself, right? Like we all have access to it or, we all have access to internet and you can like search these people on Instagram if you just really want to. But there was this long thread about this one teacher who's left the classroom, but she still posts as if she's in the classroom. Um, and so it kind of spiraled off into this conversation about how misleading Instagram can be and how like when you open up Instagram and you see these like bright, beautiful pictures of activities and classrooms and like you go and compare yourself, but you don't really know what's happening in those classrooms, right? And so that was one side of the conversation. And then the other side of the conversation was um, there was a teacher who was sharing about how like her teammate on her team um, was like Instagram famous, like 30, 40, 50, maybe something follower, thousand followers. But that when she looped up the next year with her kids and she got some of those teammates kids, there were large gaps in content areas like that those kids didn't have or like that the, the kids there were things that they should have been taught um, that they didn't. And when you looked at which kids were missing what, it all cycled back to this one teacher. And so it also brings in the question of like, like how authentic is the learning happening in these classrooms where like the focus is so much on things from TPT, like everything you're using is something that you purchased or made for TPT. Like, is that really what's helping children learn? I don't want to fall into like another TPT rant, but I thought it was really interesting how she said that like it was consistent across these children that they were all missing the same thing and that they'd all come from this one teacher um, and that there were complaints like consistently about this teacher, like, you know, just giving children packets and then going to her desk to work on TPT products and like having kids come up to her and like holding things for the flat lays for Instagram. And it's just... The fact that Instagram and TPT has like such an impact on the classroom now is really troubling to the fact that, you know, children are not learning what they should because of it, which is just wild to me. And I I just, I felt like I had to share that with more people. I don't know, like if y'all want to go look it up, it's, it's on Reddit and it's like, just you search teachergram. Um, And I'd be really curious to know if like y'all have ever had that experience. I know when I student taught, there was um, a teacher who was in kindergarten and she was huge on Instagram, but none of the first grade teachers, and it, it sounds so bad to say, none of the first grade teachers liked getting her kids because there were lots of gaps in what they should have learned. And it's just like, well, she did spend a lot of time on cutesy activities that didn't really teach anything.
I don't really have anything new to say. (laughs) Um, I think that people are being consistent in their commitment to their own brands. Um, Clearly, people are still clicking. Clearly, people are still liking. um, And clearly, people are still buying. Um, So we're a textbook-focused school. Um, So Scholastic. And Abacus, well, we use the British curriculum, the British national curriculum, which is not <laughs> very good. Um, but uh, we use programs that support that national curriculum. But most times teachers get it from either the book or, like, you, you know, they get creative and go on Pinterest and maybe create a. Uh, you know, re- recreate things that they see. There are, you know, there are some teachers who use Teachers Pay Teachers, but I don't really confront them on it because it's like, okay. No, yeah, it's not worth the time uh-huh. and energy to do that. But you're, you've already decided you're going to do this. No, no. I mean, I don't say anything either. I'll be in the copy room just looking Pretty over, much. like, I'm behind them waiting. I'm just looking. I'm just like, hmm. Okay. None of my business, though. I have not used the site. I don't really plan to use the site. I don't want to give the site any (laughs) more of my personal time because they are, um, to me, not really doing things um, that are pushing the envelope. There are people who sell on there who are doing fantastic things. I just wish that there was a better platform to help get the incredible work in the that's on there. More, more people. Like, I wish, yeah, oh yeah, because I because I feel like once you start selling on on there, you kind of get pigeonholed into this um, into this like cutesy teacher, um, like formatting mm-hmm. presentation. Uh, like okay. labeled, like you get labeled as somebody who sells cute teacher worksheets as opposed to somebody who's really developing state-of-the-art teacher-made curriculum. It makes me kind because, of like, okay, oh. so the ones who sell things now, like now they're selling mattresses. Like you look on Instagram, I've unfollowed most of them, but you look, you you scroll and it's just like, <laughs> okay. buy this comfortable mattress <laughs> or, or buy like, what is it? Fab fit. Like they sell like, they they sponsor like with companies or agree to post content for companies and it's just like there's no way in hell you'd ever purchase this on a teacher's salary so like why are you using this platform to lie to teachers and convince them that this is something that they need and so like i'm almost to the point where i don't want a teacher instagram anymore um and maybe i'll just like let it sit there um because there's not a lot of there's there's a few accounts that put out things that I, I want to see and I want to stay updated with, but there's not a lot of them. Like, not at all. I'm not trying to be sold a mattress or be sold something from Lakeshore when I open up Instagram. I'm just not. I think people are trying to hustle and they're trying to do their thing. I think we just have to continue to ask ourselves at what cost um, and at whose expense. And why. And why. Um, and then continue continue to attack the greater system that 
pays teachers shit and forces them to have to sell mattresses on Instagram to uh, supplement their shitty district income. And from this point forward, I am officially putting Teachers Pay Teachers inside of a casket, burying it six feet under, and I am not going to give it a another word of my time because <laughs> it is utter bullshit, well, then. and I'm done with it. <laughs> Kalas, finished, done. That's it. Good luck. And on that note, we'll be right back. Yeah. And we're back. If you have questions, you can send them to us at commonsensepod at gmail.com or you can send them through our website at commonsensepod.com. So we actually have a really good question this week that's kind of related to what we went on a rant about. Um, <laughs> so listen carefully because I think it's it's really interesting. Um, I'm curious to know your your thoughts on it. I already have mine. So... They say they don't. They didn't leave a name. Their name is just a question, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you both about the issues of teachers subsidizing public education. I am a strong voice within my school that asks admin to contribute to my classroom's needs. However, what are your thoughts on students slash their families needing to purchase supplies to keep the classroom supplies fulfilled, i.e. the extremely expensive back-to-school shopping fiasco that happens every August and September? Should these essentials also be purchased by the schools? What do you think? This is tough. Uh, I've worked in schools that have provided everything, and then I've worked in schools that have provided nothing. I find it easiest, and by provided nothing, I, I mean students and parents were required to supply the classroom. Uh well, first, I think it obviously boils down to the demographics that you teach in, obviously, right? Like, if you know that you teach students who come from families that are historically underserved, then <laughs> the school most most definitely should be providing those resources that they need to be successful, <clears throat> Reparations, right? I mean, that's the least you can do. Okay. Uh, I don't really have an issue with. Uh, maybe I do have an issue with it. I've, I, I have found it really distracting when schools haven't provided the supplies because unless it's like a really big thing, like I'm. When I think of supplies, I'm thinking like pencils, markers, paper, notebooks, folders, like like that kind of thing, rulers, protractors, like those kinds of things. Like those are basic items that you can buy in bulk that I think the school should be in charge of purchasing and supplying. Now, if we're doing special projects that require soil, that require circuits, um, because I'm a science teacher now, uh, that require batteries and wires and things like that, that the school doesn't necessarily have on hand, 
depending on like your like your demographic, then I would say ask. I would always take it back to ask the school first because the school is the institution that provides and sets up the learning. Um, but I think that these essentials, I I believe that these essentials should be provided by the school. I think it just makes it less of a hassle on the parents, on the families. It makes sure that every student is on the same page. Everybody got the same things. Now, if students want to go out and get that Spider-Man Pokemon notebook, then that's then that's perfectly fine. But on the first day of school, I like for all of my kids to have everything that they need, whether they go out and replace it or not, so that we can get started and do what it is that we got to do. So I... I I don't have a hard answer to it, um, and I think it's because I know how f- I'm starting to understand a little bit more about how schools are funded in Texas, and I'm learning that the state is not doing its part. Um, and so the state not doing its part, they are pushing off the costs on taxpayers. Um, and so wow. I think right now in Texas, tax taxpayers fund over 50 percent of like what's going on towards public schools. And I think the state is like at 30-ish something, like 35, 37, somewhere around there, percent of the funding. Um, and so with with like the state no longer putting in as much as they used to and people paying more like through property taxes, I, I don't think it's right that, that we are asking parents to, you know, continue to send in more and more and more because like they're already like they're putting in their fair share towards public ed. It's the state who's like not giving us what they what what we need, right? But at the same time, I think mm. I think it would cripple schools to provide everything. And so, it's like what is like what is the solution? I like I work in a situation right now where I can ask for anything that I need from the parents and it will show up, thankfully, right? But I have also worked in in situations where that was not the case. And I know I had to like, we had our supplies locked up at the front of the school. Like I had to beg to get a key to a closet that had pencils in it. And so Same. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I think, like you said, basic should be provided. Like I should always have access to pencils and folders and papers. Like that should never be an issue for a child to have like the basic necessities for what they need to get throughout their school day. But if there was like, I don't know, a special pot of money, not funded through the PTO that we could we could purchase things from that, you know, maybe our classroom needed or maybe the grade level needed. That would be nice. I know in some instances, schools, instead of purchasing school supplies, the families send in like maybe $50 and they pull that money together for that class and the teacher can buy what they need from that pool of money. Um, and I've seen that work for other people. Um, I'm not sure how people get through their school years when they're not allowed to ask for school supplies um i through instagram Mm. i've come across teachers who like who have said that there is either like the district expectation or maybe it's a state law to remember that they cannot ask for school supplies like they just cannot but in texas we like there is a school supply list that comes out the school supply list is front and center at target it's front and center at walmart like you can go in and find your school's name and grade level and there is your school supply list so i think it's wild that it varies so drastically from place to place um i i wish school supplies were not so cost prohibitive in january 
August, I don't really have a complaint because mm. the, the prices are slashed. Like there's lots of places to turn if you, right. There's Jeez. lots of places to turn if you cannot afford them. Like churches host things, um, organizations host things. Like there are places to go and get the supplies and there may be someone who can get you to where you need to be to get those supplies, right? But it's January that I have an issue with. Like things run out and parents cannot afford to go in January and buy a $3 pack of Crayola crayons for all five kids, several pack, several packs each, plus glue, plus scissors, plus paper, right? That's when it's an issue um, and when it would be nice to have like a pot of money to pull from. So I feel like I just talked in circles and I didn't really give like a definitive yes or no answer. Um, I don't see a problem with parents having to pay for supplies, but I also think, you know, basic necessities could be covered if the state was putting in what they should be putting in. But as of right now, I don't see where that money would come from. The fact that the, the that the state of the state the state don't even got money for for pencils it's ridiculous. is hilarious like, to me. Every I, every year since like <laughs> I don't want to say a year because I, I know I'm gonna have to say the wrong year, but like the amount of funding that the state of Texas has put towards public ed has consistently fallen each year. Yeah, and now they're talking about like a five thousand dollar raise for every teacher, and it's just like, but from where? Where's the money coming from? It's ridiculous. So, yeah. And with that, if you have a question, please send it to commonsensepod at gmail.com or you can send it to our website at www.commonsensepod.com. Our quote this week, ma'am? So our quote this week comes from Michelle Obama, who was just in Houston with her book tour. Um, And I really enjoyed her book. And if you haven't read it, you should read it. But her quote is, I have learned that as long as I hold fast to my beliefs and values and follow my own moral compass, then the only expectations I need to live up to are my own. It's so filling. I love the the piece about holding fast to my own beliefs and values. I was just talking to my grandpa about that. And he was he was telling me if you go in to like interviews or new opportunities and you keep your core values like at the forefront and you don't compromise on them, like you're going to be OK. The moment you compromise on what you truly believe in is, is when you start to set yourself up for failure and when things are going to just get difficult for you. You can't change what other people think and believe. Um, And when you go in trying to disrupt entire, you know, systems when you're just, and it sounds so bad, when you're just like one little person in the game, then like, like you're going to struggle, right? It's difficult to go into that alone versus like if you were going in with a team of people who all have the same morals and values and are going in to try to disrupt something. Um, But like a lot of us are going into job interviews and job fairs now, like keep your 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 core values at the forefront as you interview with people and as you talk with schools and like don't compromise on what you truly believe in. Because you're going to put yourself into a situation or you're going to be in a school where you're going to wish that you you had not signed that contract because you decided that, you know, oh, I'll compromise on this when you know that that's something that's important to you. So hold fast to your beliefs and values. And when you get that job, you know, remember what it is that keeps you grounded. And I'm speaking mainly to myself. I wish you didn't even share that whole piece because now it's making me think a lot. (laughs) Um, It's pretty much like, you know, sums up my entire career in education, trying to find, uh, this is not what we talked about on this episode, trying to find a particular place that matches, you know, what I truly believe 
um, to be true for for the teaching pro- profession specifically um, and for ed- the education system as a whole. Even though we're not in perfect places, we still have agency and control over our own selves. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, while while we can't change these big structures at the at the snap of a finger, um, we still can use our agency to do good, to influence, to challenge, to change. Um, and I think that we should hold on to that as we continue moving forward. And on that note, we are going to wrap up here. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense Podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early. You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them, and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted. Yes, and we'll see you next time.